Hi there, and welcome to a special edition, a special episode of Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I'm going to be your guest. So today is going to be a solo session, and I thought it would be kind of fun to give you a, an example session of one of my past PubCon sessions that was just this year in January, and the focus was on marketing, um, small businesses, and professional services. So in this session, I covered a bunch of different topics, um, local PR, Google, social, reviews, virtual events, augmented reality, virtual reality, and audio. I like to look at all of these things as um, different ways that we can integrate search and social and new technologies into the public relations strategy. So just real quick, if you're not familiar with PubCon, I've been speaking at this digital marketing conference for more than 15 years, um, between 15 and 18 years, I would say. I first started attending it because from a, um, I was a public relations professional wanting to learn as much as possible about digital back in the day when um, Google and Yahoo and Bing and Facebook and Twitter were all just coming onto the scene. And it wasn't as um, common to use all of this tech, all, all these different digital marketing opportunities in the public relations strategy. So I had a lot of my clients asking me for advice. So I decided to go out of my PR box and actually attend a conference that was completely out of my element. So PubCon was one of my first conferences that I attended. And um, I just felt so empowered by learning everything. So I went to a few and I got to know all the speakers and the event producers and they invited me to speak on the subject of integrating PR with search and social. And from then it was history. So let's start with local public relations and what, what exactly does that mean when I say local public relations? So if you're a restaurant, um, any type of professional service company, a hair salon, um, where you're serving a certain um, geographic um, radius, then that you would be considered um, a local, local small business or have a local um, location. So when we talk about local public relations, what does that really mean? And PR is one of those um, terms that is thrown around a lot and has different meanings to different people. So I'm just gonna go over how I'm referring to local PR or some would call it press or some would call it publicity. So what exactly is that? So it's earned media, meaning that we cannot go out and buy this type of um, exposure. It's something that is third party credibility. It actually carries more credibility than advertising does. It's like a third party endorsement. So when somebody writes a story and includes you as an expert source, it's not you, the brand saying it, it's somebody else saying it. So it's like word of mouth, um, but it's word of mouth through the media or even through social media or through Google. It's considered um, social proof and it also helps in your top of funnel marketing for brand awareness. So some examples of local editorial coverage, it could be different things. So it could be, you might get on your local TV um, station nightly news, and maybe they're doing a story about, um, you know, the latest update on Facebook and how it's impacting your business. And, you know, maybe that's a story that you pitch to the media, or maybe it's your local lifestyle publication or local business journal, or even uh, the book of lists or different types of lists, like 40 under 40. So those are the different, um, not inclusive, there's, all, there's a lot of different um, types of 
local editorial coverage, but those are some examples. So how can you leverage these types of publications? So you could get quoted as an, uh, in the news as an expert source. So that could be um, in a digital online version of a publication. It could be on radio. It could be on a podcast like you're listening to right now, or it could be on a TV station. You could also uh, have a guest column in a local publication. So you could pitch the editor and say, hey, I want to write a local, I want to write a guest column once a month or twice a month on digital marketing or on maybe you know small businesses and finance, or maybe you're a financial expert and you'll have a column that you'll write once a month um, from the financial expert, or maybe you're a foodie and you can write a monthly column about the local food trends that are happening. So there's different creative uh, angles that you can come up with where you could insert yourself into the news and start networking. You could also, um, like I said, be a guest on podcast. You could also mix and mingle at your local chamber. And that can mean maybe you're writing for the local chamber newsletter. And that's exactly right in front of the audience that you need to be in front of. So you can, it doesn't have to be, you know, as big as the nightly news. It could be as easy as your local chamber and starting there. So how do you do this? How do you do public relations? Do you need to hire an agency? The answer is no, you can do it yourself. You could hire freelancers. Um, there's multiple ways that you could start with a public relations effort and it doesn't have to be uh, a big expense. It could be on any type of budget. So steps that you can do it yourself. First, you need to identify and really um, have an understanding of who is your audience. So for example, you wanna make sure if you're gonna be um, writing for the chamber newsletter that the chamber, that's the chamber that your audience is actually going to be paying attention to. So you also wanna look at maybe listing out what are your top three to five media outlets and, and what, what are those media outlets that is resonating with your audience? So maybe, it, like I said, maybe it's the, you have a, a local lifestyle magazine that that is exactly the publication that your audience is paying attention to. So you wanna brainstorm different angles um, and different story ideas that that would maybe be trending or maybe be tying in with the holiday like Black Friday. You wanna make sure you, you know who is the reporter, the editors or the producers who would be in charge of this um, type of angle. And then what I like to do is follow them on social. So look them up on Instagram or Twitter and see if you can start forming a, an online relationship with them and paying attention to what types of stories that they're sharing. I like to also recommend that you create a very short and personalized pitch. So this is a big um, mistake that a lot of brands and also a lot of publicists make this mistake. A lot of publicists that are just starting out and even some seasoned publicists, it's something that you really have to try to get it right. And so creating this very short and personalized pitch is, is really an art and takes a lot of practice. And I kind of like to compare it to when Twitter first um, came out and, you know, we were writing tweets, we're still writing tweets and, you know, you have a certain character limit and there's a lot you can say in less than 200 characters. And so I like to just compare a pitch to be like, imagine you are limited to 200 characters and how can you get, get out your pitch and, and 200 characters or less. And that could take a while. You could, to, could take two to three hours just to formulate that pitch or formulate, formulate that perfect tweet. In that, you want to really stand out. 
So if you're basically just saying what everybody else is saying about a certain topic, you're not going to stand out. So making sure that you are really a little bit colorful and bold about your point of view and about your expertise. So, you know, maybe the trend is you know, thin crust pizza and you're going to say, you know what, thin crust pizza is completely out and cauliflower crust pizza is trending and, you know, here's why and here's here's our recipe to the best cauliflower pizza that's on our menu. And so you want to give out some of these secrets that maybe your audience would be like, wow, I want to read what that cauliflower pizza is that is the best-selling cauliflower pizza. So you want to do this and you want to rinse and repeat. So you want to do this about two times a month. So it's going to take some brainstorming and you're going to have to come up with uh, different, different angles every month that could be tying in, like I said, a holiday or maybe even the Super Bowl is coming up, something that is trending. So it, it's called the editorial calendar, and that's something that should be part of your arsenal. So what else do you need? What are the talents and tools that you're going to need to do your own public relations, whether you do it yourself, or you could ask your agency about what are some of the talent and tools that they use. So number one, I like to always recommend a journalist type of writer. So former journalists or even writers that are currently working for a publication, they're always looking for extra work. So Instead of trying to teach somebody that knows how to write for marketing purposes, you want to find a writer that is a journalist that is already used to writing, you know, maybe one to five articles a day so they can write fast. And they're also very good and seasoned writers. Um, I'm, I am biased. I am a graduate of University of Florida. And I can say that anybody that has graduated from the University of Florida College of Journalism is going to be an excellent writer. I promise you. Another tool that I love to recommend is called HARO, Help a Reporter Out. You can subscribe to um, HARO for free. And what you'll get is one to three or maybe more emails a day about reporters that are writing, currently writing stories that are possibly a fit for, for your industry. So that's a way to know every day what, what are writers looking for, what kind of sources are they looking for. Rocket Reach is another tool that you can easily find out any email of any journalist or blogger or influencer. A couple others, Prowly is um, also great for media relations and media research. Grammarly is a great tool that I love to recommend and I recommend using the, uh, the paid version of Grammarly because you can get so many insights, including if you hire a writer and you can take what that writer gives you and put it through Grammarly to see if there's any plagiarism. So if you're hiring writers for different content for your website, you wanna make sure that it's original. Other tools that I love, Buzzsumo, Ask the Public and Google Trends are all great tools to definitely look into if you're trying to come up with trending topics or seeing different ways that you can um, spin different angles within your, your business or your industry. So now I'm gonna give you an example of what a PR flow might look like. And so by flow, this is kind of the order of what you're gonna to do to, to get the, the, the outcome of editorial coverage. You're gonna first identify an angle. We kind of talked about that already. You're gonna figure out what is the angle? What are the, you know, maybe the next three months? What are the two angles a month that you're gonna focus on? And then you're gonna write that pitch. So that's gonna be that very concise most of the time it's an email. It could be over Twitter and a DM or on Instagram and a DM, depending on, you know, you need to find out 
and show up where the media is is actually most active. So some producers are on Twitter and reporters are on Twitter. A lot of the TV uh, TV talent is definitely on Twitter. Uh, a lot of them are now becoming um, more popular on Instagram, depending on the industry. So you want to get that pitch down, very concise, and then email that pitch to the very select short list of journalists so that you can very easily follow up and keep that list tight and in control. When you do get news or when you see news that is maybe overlap or some of these journalists have just shared, you want to make sure that you share it on your social channels. So you might want to like a post that one of the journalists that you're trying to create a relationship has, um, has just posted. Or if they do write about you, you want to make sure that you share that news across your social channels so that you can show your audience that you have been endorsed by a third party, um, third party either media or somebody that's an influencer. What I like to also recommend is that you create a paid social campaign to target the media. So let's say you, you, you want to get a little bit broader and you have a media list of, let's say, 100 different media outlets that are that you've researched and you found their email addresses. Um, you can create a social campaign in Twitter or in Facebook, and this is kind of a, a little bit of a gray area. Make sure that you have a social advertising expert to help you so that you don't waste any money doing this. But when done effectively, it I really like it because you're gonna be showing up um, in, their, in the media's newsfeed when this is possible, and they will, it's basically like brand awareness or brand recognition very targeted to your audience, which would be the journalists. That would be the perfect journalism fit for you. Next, I want to talk about the media kit. So a lot of influencers have what's called a one pager or a media kit, and that's all great. But I recommend that brands of all sizes have a media kit. So this is something that is easily accessible either online in your newsroom, that the media can just go to your website, find your newsroom, and easily find the bios of your leadership team, headshots of your leadership team, a fact sheet on your brand, maybe some videos of a spokesperson or somebody from your leadership team talking so they can get an idea of how they're going to be on camera. And then topics of expertise. Um, also having, making sure that you actually have a dedicated website slash newsroom on your site. This is the number one thing that is missing that, that journalists complain about when they do go to a brand's website and go to their newsroom, and that is the media contact. So if the media wanted to get in touch with your brand and talk to somebody and interview them, making sure that the media contact information is easily accessible on your newsroom or somewhere on your contact page, and that that person who is getting that email knows that immediate response is required. So when the media is working on a story, it's super important that you respond as soon as possible within minutes, if not an hour or two at the most. If, you, if, the, if the journalist doesn't hear back from you right away, they have a list of different experts that they're looking at and they're just gonna move on to the next. Or what normally happens is the first or second one to actually respond to their, their request, those are the ones that get covered. So that's super important to make sure you have your media contact person's information updated. So that could be an email address. And I like to I also like to recommend having a mobile contact number where if, if you have a mobile number listed and maybe it's a secondary number that's only used for business, then that tells the media, okay, I, I can try to text this person right now and possibly get through. So definitely look, make sure that you have that on your checklist. 
Last but not least, strong visuals make a huge difference. So making sure that when you're sending out any type of pitch or press release, that you have two to three very strong visuals. So invest in photography, invest in photography often. I can't stress that enough. We do more than just organic public relations here at my agency at the buyer group. We also stack on top of PR, we'll stack uh, social advertising and influencer marketing. And the best performing content when we're doing any type of PR, brand awareness, and then we put some paid on top of it are the visuals that are action oriented, that the brand has invested in not your standard everyday photography, but something that looks a little bit different, something that looks a little bit bold. I mean, look at what we can do on our own now with our iPhones, with our smartphones. We can, we can invest $25 in three different apps and we can basically have an outcome of a professional photographer. So if you're not standing out, if you don't have some sort of creative spin to your, your visuals, I would definitely take a look at that and see what you can do different. Next, I'm gonna talk about results. So what happens when you do all of these different steps and you get into the public relations flow that I just talked about? So what can possibly happen? So what could happen is number one, you can get picked up in Google search results in a variety of different ways. So if you pay for an online distribution of your press release, that's one way to get into Google News. If you do get a media pickup, whether it be TV or radio or podcast or a digital version of a business journal, most of the time, and hopefully, you'll get some sort of a link back to your website. And so what is the link, authority link, I'm gonna call it back to your website, what does that mean? It means that you can get very high referring traffic, high quality referring traffic to your website. It means that Google is gonna see that you've been mentioned with a link from an authority source, like let's just say the New York Times, or let's just say the South Florida Business Journal, or let's just say, the Orlando Sentinel. So all of these types of um, media pickups, they all make a difference. You're gonna get credibility. So one of your you know, customers might be reading that publication or they might see you being interviewed on the news and they're gonna say, hey, you know, that's, my, that's my financial advisor. That's my, uh, my hair salon that I go to. So all of these things make a difference. It'll give you thought leadership. It'll get, you know what? It'll get you more media attention. So the more media attention you get, other media will see that you've been interviewed or that you've been um, maybe a local news affiliate interviewed you and maybe it's a local ABC news affiliate. And then guess what? Good Morning America is also part of the ABC network. You know, they watch, they see what's happening at the local level and they might say, hey, we wanna interview this person about this topic for Good Morning America. Same thing with today's show. So they're NBC. So an NBC affiliate might, you know, might get the attention of NBC and might end up on maybe it's maybe it's today, maybe it's some other more national type of media coverage. So press mentions, they get you social proof and they also get you, guess what, new business and new audience. I wrote an article earlier earlier in 2020, and the article was a result of many, many conversations that I've had, and I think I did a whole episode on my top PR myths. So I'm just gonna go over my top six out of my top 13, and there's probably gonna be more added to this after this year. But here's some public relations myths that I just got really sick of hearing and I wanna clear the air on. 
So the first myth is, this is one of my clients told me this last year. He's like, you know, Lisa, this other agency they were looking at there, they have offices in New York and they have offices in LA and they can just walk down the street or walk down the hall. And this is before COVID. And, you know, they can just say, Hey, can you do this article on my client? And that is possible. Yes, it is possible, but it is a complete myth that the best PR agencies are in New York and LA. And that's not taking away from any agency that is in New York and LA, but you can have, the same results that any agency anywhere could possibly get. Just because you live in New York or LA or Chicago doesn't mean you're gonna get any better results. It really has to do with being very systematic and being very dedicated and not giving up and making sure that you're matching the right story and the right angle with the right publication. And if you could do that, that's magic. You are actually making a journalist's life easier if you can get it right. They hate getting spam. They hate getting pitches that are really long and really are not a match. So it's not that hard to match up the right producer, reporter, journalist with the right angle. So if somebody is covering, let's just say food and wine, and you're pitching them on Facebook, they're going to hit delete and they're going to put mark you as spam. My second myth is that digital PR is all about press releases. So I have mentioned press releases a couple times. Uh, press releases are still part of the, the public relations strategy. We like to recommend doing one press release a month just to stay fresh in Google News. Digital PR today is, is more than just press releases. So that's a myth that, it, that it's the end all be all is the press release, but it definitely still is important. Other areas, other parts of the PR strategy include making sure that you reach out to influencers and getting uh, influencers to give you that third party type of endorsement and that user generated content and storytelling and making yourself part of a larger story. So the press release is not dead, but it's not the end all be all. My next myth is that public relations only impacts top of funnel. So that is also just completely not true. PR is basically impacting every part of the funnel, including the customer. So once you get a new customer or once you have a client, the selling or the relationship building doesn't stop there. So if you have a, a client or a customer and they see you on the news, that is just reinforcing their relationship with you. If you are reaching a new audience and somebody says, hey, that seems like you know, I want to sign up for that gym or I want to sign up for that class, then you're reaching and that would be top of funnel. And middle of funnel would be maybe the third or fourth time somebody hears about you. First, they saw a Facebook ad, then they saw a Google ad, then they saw you on TV. And that is what sealed the deal. They, they saw you as a very credible source. So it goes way beyond top of funnel. And just keep in mind that it takes multiple touch points, multiple, multiple touch points for somebody to finally decide to sign up or become a customer or um, debit, decide to, to actually like pull their money out of their pocket and go with you. And that goes for a service business, that goes for a local business, that goes for a large um, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. It, it, it goes for every type of industry. So there, it's not, it's not the typical scenario where somebody is going to see a Facebook ad and say, okay, I'm, I'm in, or they're going to see you on TV and they're going to say, okay, let me Google them and let me sign up right away. Traditional PR is dead. 
So I got into this whole digital PR um, arena very, very early on. And I really was very urgent about it. I thought that every other public relations agency was going to be on the same page as I was and that it was going to be a race to see who would be first to figure out digital. And for a while, I would say up until a couple years ago, I really kind of got away from, I'm going to call it traditional PR, where we were doing traditional media outreach because we didn't have to, you know, with social and with search, it was easier and more effective to just rely on Google and social. And what I've learned is that traditional is not even close to being dead. It is still a big part of the PR strategy and so is Google and so is social. So you wanna make sure that if you hire a PR agency or you hire a PR freelancer or a PR professional, that they understand traditional public relations and they understand what it means to pick up, I almost said pick up the phone. They, they understand what it means to do some research, figure out somebody's email address and form a relationship with a journalist, with a reporter, so that they can then influence their decision to include you in, in some sort of media, um, media piece, whether it be uh, digital online publication or a TV radio podcast. My next myth is you can test PR for three months. Just try it out. Yeah, just try out public relations. That sounds great. Wrong. That is not good. That's not a good way to go about any type of um, public relations path needs to be a dedicated, always on, never taking a break. It's consistent. It's part of your permanent digital marketing strategy and implementation and plan, and there's never a pause on public relations. So if you think you might wanna just try out PR for three months, save your money, you're not gonna get the, the results. It'll be a, a complete coincidence if you do end up getting any type of story, and maybe that'll give you the taste of like what it would be like to invest in PR. But if you're gonna, if you are a small brand, large brand, Fortune 100, Fortune 500, just starting out, if you're an entrepreneur or any type of, uh, maybe you're a student, maybe you're thinking about starting your own business, just understand that public relations is gonna be more impactful. It will take longer than advertising, but you cannot, it, it doesn't have the same value. So public relations is in the long run going to be more valuable because it's something you can't actually buy. Next myth, PR results will be consistent each month. So this, this is something that you really have to kind of wrap your brain around is that it's not advertising. We're not going to be placing an ad in a certain publication, with certain creative that's going to have a call to action. And you'll be able to say, okay, we did this last month. We should be able to do this this month. So some months in PR, you won't get anything. I mean, those are your ramp up months. And those are the months that you're doing your pitching. And you should always be doing your pitching and researching and fine tuning your media list. So each month is not going to be consistent. You can get a major, major win one month and not get anything for three months and then maybe get a couple small wins. And sometimes the small wins are the ones that really turn out to be the major wins. So just be patient and be consistent. The next thing I'm gonna talk about is Google and how does Google fall into the public relations strategy? So this is mainly focused on local businesses, local small businesses or Local, local businesses if you maybe have several different locations. Google My Business. So Google My Business offers the greatest impacts for brands seeking local exposure. 
And it's basically allowing businesses that use it. And I need to stress that so many small businesses don't pay attention to Google My Business and they don't even know what it is. What it is, is that it gives you an opportunity to really own the whole right side of the first page of Google when somebody is Googling your brand name. So it's a great opportunity to have very visual, very detailed brand awareness on page one of Google. So it, you can include things like your business address, your business hours, your category, reviews are gonna show up there. There's a great article in Search Engine Journal that is how to completely optimize your Google My Business listing. And it's by Sam Hollingsworth. So you can go ahead and Google that. And I also write for Search Engine Journal. I can attest that it is a very credible publication and you should subscribe to it and pay attention to all of the different articles that are coming out, which include topics like SEO, PPC, content, social news, and also artificial intelligence. What I love about Google My Business is that you can actually um, also have uh, posts just like in Facebook and the posts actually give you an opportunity to showcase an event or showcase maybe something that is special that's happening at your business. So I highly recommend leveraging the power of Google and Google My Business to get your exposure, free exposure. This isn't something that you have to pay for. It's something that if you leverage all the different optimization angles of Google My Business, you'll end up seeing the, the different types of exposure that you will get for it. Then I want to talk about, um, now I want to talk about social media and how does that fall into the public relations strategy. So want to make sure that you're really optimizing when it comes to social. And it really depends on which channel you're focused on. And I'm using the example here of um, how to really take a deep dive into local and optimize for local. So let's just use Instagram, for example. So, and let's just say you're a gym and you're a gym in Orlando, Florida. So you wanna make sure, you know, people are looking up gyms in Orlando, they might look up hashtag Orlando gyms. Or if there's a local influencer that you wanna tie yourself into, making sure that you're using, you're, you're, you're focusing and you're following those local influencers to let them know about, about your business. Um, if, they're, if they're foodies and they're in your area, you wanna make sure that you're interacting with them. Um, making sure that this is, this is something that I see not done a lot on Instagram, especially with restaurants and hair salons, making sure you take advantage of all of the different features that the social media platform has. So just using Instagram, making sure that if you're located in Chicago, Illinois, or LaGrange Park, Illinois, or, you know, a suburb of a, a major city that you're really drilling down into that location hashtag and also that location tag. So making sure that, you know, whether it's on Facebook, you can check in or on Instagram, you're making sure that you're able to check into maybe the city or the, the restaurant or the local business. Also, this is something that's a little bit under the radar, but taking advantage of local sponsorships and figuring out, okay, you know, would it be sponsoring, let's just say the local little league, or maybe it is a virtual event that's happening for your chamber. So these are easy ways to get your brand in front of your audience where maybe it's your logo or you do have a little bit more control than you would over a press release. But once you start supporting some of those local types of sponsorships, that really opens up opportunities for it to be a win-win. So maybe in the next opportunity, instead of you, know, you, you paying for an 
let's just say an ad or some sort of a, your logo as part of one of the sponsorships. Maybe the next time you're getting a story that you can write for that, that event. Next, I wanna talk about reviews and how reviews tie into public relations. Just some statistics. We are in a review-obsessed economy and world, and reviews have never been more important than they are today. So 92% of consumers read reviews for local businesses. I don't know about you, but I live on Yelp. Whenever I go to a new city and I look up restaurants around me, if I wanna to go to a yoga studio, I look up yoga around me. Um, yoga in you know, whatever the, the geographic area that I'm in. And I pay attention to reviews on Yelp, especially, and also on Google. Some people are more, they pay attention more to TripAdvisor if they're big travelers. It just, just depends on, on what, what your audience and, you know, might be looking up. But making sure that you do pay attention to Google reviews and you interact with, with positive and negative reviews. Another stat, 88% of consumers trust online reviews as much as personal recommendations. So that's pretty strong. And like I said, if you aren't leveraging Google My Business and you don't have a complete handle or if somebody in your brand does not have a complete handle on managing reviews and also doing review outreach. So that would be very similar process to what I talked about earlier with media outreach and media flow. So looking at how can you how can you try to attract positive reviews, which is basically third-party endorsements, because you wanna, it's inevitable that you're gonna end up getting a negative review, and that's that's just normal. If you don't have negative reviews, then that, that looks like a little bit fishy to consumers and also to some of the platforms like Yelp. So making sure that you're doing outreach to get as many positive reviews as possible, and then that is going to offset any negative reviews. And any negative re reviews, you use that as a learning moment where you can share it with your team, you can adjust, and you can get better and make sure that you respond to whoever left you that review. So if you're looking for some ideas on how to ask for a review, so if you're local or remote, um, this isn't something you can sometimes ask for a discount or give a gift in exchange for a review. It's not something that um, I would recommend doing, but it is done. If you're remote, you can ask for a review in, in an email. Um, you know what, if you don't ask, you're not gonna get what you want. So you always have to make sure that that ask is there and meet them where they are gonna be in the most convenient possible situation where they can write a review. So maybe that would be via phone, via SMS message, or maybe it's through social media. You can also ask for, redo, ask for reviews as part of your in-person um, communication. So if you're a retail business and, you know, maybe it's part of your part of your staff's communication training that when they say, thank you so much, and, you know, we would love to get a review from you and make it as easy as possible for them to understand that reviews are important and here's how to go about do it doing it. So you could, you could do um, also communicate that on a receipt or in a follow-up email. This yoga studio that I go to in Jupiter, the minute I walk out of my yoga class, I get an email about maybe 15 minutes later, not the minute I get out. And it's saying, Hey Lisa, how did you like your class today? It, we would be honored to hear how you liked it, share a review on any of these different channels. And I haven't actually left a review yet, but in my mind, I think, you know what, I need to leave them a review. So it's very similar to the touch points I talked about earlier that you're, you're not going to get that, that review or that story or that coverage the first time you ask. 
But if you keep asking, you're going to, you're going to stay top of mind. Next, I want to talk about virtual events. So we're in a definite um, virtual event type of arena here with the pandemic last year, and things are still mostly not in person. And how can you leverage the situation to your advantage? And we've seen a lot of businesses reinvent themselves over the past 10 to 12 months, and it's been very inspiring. So we're pretty fortunate to have some of these platforms like Facebook, where you don't really need to have any investment in equipment. You could do a Facebook Live pretty easy, depending on the computer that you have. And it could be as raw and real as you need it to be or want it to be. But if you don't, you have to start somewhere. So I had clients over the years and still today that don't like to do Facebook Live or don't like to do some sort of a live event or it's a pop-up event because they can't control the situation. So if that's you, I would just recommend maybe starting a private Facebook group and invite small groups to get used to going live on Facebook and kind of use that as your starting point. A great example I love to use is um, my friend Jurgen. He owns a agency called Polymash and specializes in podcasting and SEO and him and his wife have what they call free SEO Saturdays. So you can find that at polymash.com slash live. And it's really cool because what they do is you, they meet, I think it's, I don't know if it's every Saturday, but you'll have to look it up. But what happens is, is you can actually submit your podcast and they'll review it live and they have different experts that will come on and give you different ideas on what you could do better to be found in Google search results and optimize your podcast. And, you know, it's a great, great way to keep yourself in front of people and you're, you're actually offering free advice um, virtually that anybody could use and podcasts and audio experiences are definitely the trend. Restaurants have also done an amazing job at reinventing and just going live via Zoom, you know, from their kitchen and maybe sharing recipes just to kind of stay in front of their, in front of their, their patrons and their audience and making, you know, maybe their life a little bit easier. They can't come to the restaurant, but they can share different ways that maybe you can make the same recipes at home. Next, I want to talk about AR, VR, and QR. So augmented reality, virtual reality, and QR, QR codes. So one of the first, you know, basically everybody is familiar with Snapchat. So Snapchat was one of the first and easiest examples of using augmented reality for a personal standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. And right now, Snapchat is, you know, really coming on strong and they've, their platform, their advertising platform is very similar to Facebook's ad manager. So it makes it easy to kind of jump right in for those of you that have been advertising on Facebook. But there's a, there's a nice opportunity if your target market is between 18 and 24, chances are Snapchat might be something that would be worth looking into and you can, um, you can leverage the local, the local angle with Snapchat local business um, advertising. So definitely look into that. And just some examples. So you can launch ads for as little as $5 a day. Um, you can drive traffic to your website. Snapchat is making it super easy. I just took a course with Dennis Yu and just wanted to kind of get behind the wheel of the Snapchat advertising platform and see what the possibilities were. Not that I'm turning into a Snapchat, you know, 
advertising agency or anything like that, but I like to know what's possible when it comes to public relations and how to layer different paid types of opportunities on top of it. And then next, I want to talk about augmented reality. So this is something that I really, really want to emphasize to learn as much as you can about it. Um, so even if you're just starting on Snapchat to learn about augmented reality. So brands can use augmented reality to allow consumers to try products before they buy them. And you can, Gucci came out with some lenses that were really cool where you, they came out with a new, new type, new brand of, new type of um, shoes that you could like see what they look like on you. I mean, it's very popular now with um, brands like Wayfair where you can actually see what something's gonna look like inside your house. So with the whole pandemic and social distancing, this is something that is really taking a huge leap forward. So I really wanna emphasize learning as much as possible about how you can integrate augmented reality into your brand. And now QR codes. So QR codes, I felt like they were very yesterday, but all of a sudden they're very popular and I really am kind of obsessed with using them in very creative ways. And here's a stat for you. 81% of Americans have smartphone devices and among those ages 18 to, 20, 18 to 29, 96% have smartphone devices. So if you're afraid somebody's not gonna be able to use a QR code if you're using one, a lot of restaurants are using them for your, their menu, but there's also creative ways that you can use QR codes to make things um, friction-free and easy to either sign up or call to action. So if you're having an event, an online event, using a QR code to promote that is something um, something definitely to think about to get that exposure and get that, that sign up. So that would be a great example of getting somebody to sign up or getting an email address, some, some sort of a bottom of the funnel type of um, action that PR can, can push forward. Some creative uses, I talked about menus, but payments, um, you can use QR codes to invite somebody to, um, to follow you on Instagram, uh, website pages, direct them to a specific website page for directions. You can use a QR code, like the example I used about me walking out of the yoga studio, you know, getting somebody to act to, to write a review. So that could be the invitation. They just have to, um, to go to use that QR code. You can also direct them to specific articles or even stickers. And then lastly, I want to talk about audio. And this has been, a, there's been a huge surge over the past year or two with podcasting. And if I had to ask you, if you had to guess what percent, um, how, do how do people most often find out or search for a podcast? And before I knew this stat, I, I would not have guessed this, but 30% of people who are looking for podcasts do it via searching the internet. So making sure that you're, if you do have a podcast for your brand or you're a podcaster listening, even if you're a podcaster that is very popular, you might not realize how important it is to be optimized and making sure that your audience or your, your prospective audience can find you in a Google search. So I mentioned um, Jurgen earlier, like he, he really is, uh, I would definitely follow him, sign up for his emails because he is the expert on optimizing your podcast. If you do decide to start a podcast, which I did during the pandemic, uh, I announced it with a press release. So why not? You know, if any, it's, it's sometimes hard for brands to really take a step back and realize what kind of news is happening within the brand. Maybe they think this isn't newsworthy. And that's why you should have an expert, whether it's an agency or a freelancer or a PR professional that's from the outside working with you, because they can see things that you can't see within the brand. They can identify 
newsworthy, very newsworthy stories that it's hard to do it when you're inside the brand. As a bonus, I'm going to put in my show notes um, how I I mentioned I launched my podcast during the pandemic, and now we're here in February, and we have way more than 100 episodes. I have to look. I think we're in like episode in the 130s or something. But I just want you to, to look at podcasting from a public relations perspective and know that you don't have to start with episode one. There's a good chance, I didn't realize I had this, but you can look in your archives and see if you've been maybe a speaker at different events or you've done maybe some webinars for, for, your, um, for your audience or your prospective audience that you could turn into maybe your first five to 10 episodes of your podcast if you're starting one. So I went ahead and I shared, I'm going to put these slides in the show notes so you can go to socialpeersecrets.com and see exactly how I launched my episode, how I launched my podcast with 50 episodes and actually less than 45 days. So around the time when I did my press release announcing Social PR Secrets, we had already published more than 50 episodes. So I highly recommend announcing a podcast, even if you have a podcast milestone. So if you reached your 100th episode or my friends, Joe and Matt, they published their 300th episode not too long ago. So those are milestones that I would recommend, you know, maybe it's a social press release. Maybe you announce it to your social audience. Maybe it's something you announce in an email. I didn't even get have a chance to get into using email marketing from a public relations perspective but we will in a future episode. And that's why you should subscribe. Make sure you're subscribing to Social PR Secrets. And you can go to socialprsecrets.com and find out all of the different ways you can subscribe. And if all of this seems too overwhelming to you and you want things done for you, you can look us up at thebuyergroup.com and my team of experts can help you launch your very effective and purposeful public relations strategy and program. So with that, I'm going to say namaste and thank you so much for hanging out with me today in this solo episode talking about local public relations and how small businesses can leverage the superpowers of search, social, and more. listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.